0: That's unified, unifydhealing.com slash blue No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: We're now going to take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, and Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet online has you covered for all your latest news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part: when you sign up, you receive 50% welcome bonus. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night. We can't think of a better way to wager on that fight than doing it with actual free money. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy, and if you're already into betting, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word when you sign up, at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook
0: experts. Blue wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to History Is there anything you don't gamble? Uh. Not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gamblers not your problem. You're just an idiot.
2: Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, happy Sunday.
0: Happy
1: Sunday to you as well, Cody. Thank you. How's your weekend going, Tyler? Uh, It's been pretty good. Pretty low-key. Watched a lot of basketball. How about yourself? Same.
2: We've got a lot of basketball to talk about here. Um... A big IU win today, a lot of big Ten hoops, a great college basketball slate, some NBA we'll get into, um, but Sunday's scariest moment, Tyler, you said yours is unrelated to basketball, so is mine, um, but I'll be a gentleman here, I'll let you get started.
1: Thank you, so my Sunday scariest moment kind of just goes out to us and all kind of football fans out there. The NFL is currently negotiating um, the new CBA. It expires after the upcoming 2020 football season, and it doesn't look like the owners and the players are seeing eye-to-eye. The biggest sticking point right now being the owners want to extend the regular season by one game making it 17, and the players are not about it, and it seems like the owners aren't going off of that stand, so... Seems like they're going to probably not reach any agreement in the next week or so, and then we're going to go into this year. Basically with the CBA kind of hanging over the season, that it's going to expire after the next Super Bowl, and then I feel like it's going to be 2011 all over again where it looks like there might be a lockout. Yeah, hopefully not.
2: Um, I didn't know if uh, that meant having one more week to have to bet on football and everything that comes with that, if that was the scary part of this
1: for you. No, the scary part is the potential lockout. And, I mean, it's not an extra game. They're just removing a preseason game and adding it to the regular season. And I agree with the players. They always talk about safety. I don't understand how safety would really – how they could say safety is their number one priority if they're adding another regular season game. I saw Sherman was obviously outspoken against it. Uh, J.J. Watt was against it. So it doesn't seem like they're going to reach any agreement soon. They also said they want to expand the playoffs, which – Sounds cool. The only reason I'm kind of against it is you're only giving one team a bye then. Um, Makes the one seed obviously super important, but you just look at this year in the NFC, there are three teams at the top with the same record, and only one team would get the bye moving forward. So I don't love that. Um, Adding another playoff game is exciting, but that's my uh, scariest moment, just the potential that there could be a lockout looming. Um, Not like the best way you want to go into a football season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... It definitely makes sense
2: to get rid of a, a preseason game. Um, that fourth preseason game, it does seem pretty useless. Um, I, I I don't know. It, hopefully they get through it because we can't have football on any kind of delay. Personally, I'm pro. They can figure out a way to make it work. Uh, having an extra game, why not? but uh i understand where the players are coming from if they're not going to be compensated for it then why would they um my sunday scariest moment is uh, so spring training has started um, and I'm going with the Houston Astros players. We talked about it last week. But piggyback on, on that, uh, they had their spring training opener, and they're already met with an abundance of booze. A lot of fans brought uh, signs to the game, many of which were taken. A lot of Houston asterisks uh, signs, which good job by them. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, th- all those signs were taken from the different fans that were holding them. Uh, the players were obviously booed pretty vehemently. Uh, Let me pull up some... Yeah, one fan in Nationals jersey yelled, hey Altuve, are you scared to play tonight? Others scream, you suck and cheaters. Uh, There was half a dozen fans that wore shirts that read uh, bang foul poles, not trash cans. uh, Referencing Howie Kendrick's home run in last season's uh, Game 7 of the World Series against the Houston Astros. Um, And this is only spring training, Tyler. Uh, So I am... The Astros are in for a interesting season to say the least the players are um and good job by the fans i think coming bringing their a game out of the gate here it's going to be interesting to see like how long this level of anger uh and resentment against the asher's lingers on right like is it going to start to die off come like the all-star break you think
1: yeah i feel like to start the year you know, all those examples you gave, the one with the Nationals banging the foul pole is great. I feel like at some point it's going to have to die down. If, they, if they're if they playing well again, and then, you know, it gets later in the season, and say they're on the road versus Detroit, who's going to be terrible, like, are Detroit fans really going to be that angry? Probably not. I think when it gets later in the season, like, when they go to New York late in the year, that's going to be hostile, but that would be hostile anyway, so I don't know how long it'll go. To start the year, it'll definitely be intense, but... I mean, it's, like, fun to jab at them for banging the trash can, but some of the stuff that is being said is just so over the top, like the death threats. Um, Josh Reddick said he posted a picture of his kid, uh, you know, his baby child, and someone commented, I hope your kid gets cancer. Like, there's no reason for that. Um, That's just way over the top. So I hope that type of stuff stops. But if it's just the playful jabs, I'm all for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's keep it playful here, but
2: it'll be interesting uh as as uh opening day approaches in about a month. Um Tyler, but let's let's get started in kind of the weekend that was in college hoops. Normally we'd start with IU. Let's start with the action yesterday and I want to go off the off the bat here. Um a preliminary uh, Grandpa Billy's Bum the Week to you, Tyler, for fading me on my Kansas pick. Kansas, Baylor, uh, I don't know why this game started at 12. I understand they scheduled it a while ago, but it feels like there had to be a way to move it back. So it was later. Kansas, number three in the country, going into Baylor, who was ranked first in the country. Uh, and Baylor went into Kansas earlier in the season and won there. Um, but Kansas took care of business and uh, Yudoku Azebuki was an absolute man-child. He had 23 points. He was 11 for 13 from the field, 19 rebounds. Uh, Kansas was a a point-and-a-half underdogs in this one. Tyler, do you
1: have anything to say for yourself? Well, let's let's backtrack a little bit to Friday night. I was... I was finishing on my workout at the gym. I looked at Twitter. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, I saw you tweeted the uh, the thing about the Penn-Dartmouth game saying Penn was yeah. a great pick on the road. Yeah. So I just took it with you reading your trends, and they they lost outright by seven to Dartmouth. So that's kind of why I was fading you in this Kansas game, and I just wanted to disagree with you. Um, and then I ended up taking your Xavier pick, which was also a loser, so I was really on the bad side of those. Um, but. Being on being on Baylor in this game, just like they started out like really hot in the first couple minutes, and then Kansas kind of took control, and the game was close for basically the entire time. But I never felt great about it, and it was just like Azabuki, those pick and rolls going down the lane, those wide open dunks. He's 11 of 13 from the field. He still can't shoot foul shots. I'm not sure why they didn't go to that earlier, kind of like hack-a-shack type thing with him. But he was so dominant—19 rebounds, three blocks. He controlled this game and. Kansas is the best team in the country. They're going to be one after this week. Three of the top four teams lost yesterday. Five of the top ten teams this week lost. So there's going to be a little shakeup. But Kansas feels like the best team right now between Azubuki, Dotson, uh, Marcus Garrett's a really good wing defender. Um, It feels like Bill Self has the best team in the country, and he usually screws that up. And what did you think about the end of the game, them not fouling? Because that felt like a typical Kansas move where whatever they did, they were going to get wrong. If they fouled, then they would have... Made, you know maybe fouled him when he's in the act of shooting, or mm-hmm. if they didn't foul, he was gonna hit the shot. Like I thought they should have fouled, especially when they did the handoff. There were like two seconds left. They had a good yeah. opportunity there, and they got a good look at it. Guy just was a little short. Yeah, I'm
2: typically pro. If you trust, like if you have your, uh, senior guards, like kind of what Kansas has, and like veteran guys on the team, um, I, I think you try and foul where you can, especially as it kind of winds down to the final seconds there. Uh, They ultimately got lucky. Um, I mean, for me, too, like watching these two teams play, I watched Kansas earlier in the year uh, in the Jordan Classic, and then Baylor I watched. I hadn't watched much of them at all. I watched them uh, after our boy, Greg Peterson gave us the pick that night and they kind of eked out a victory that, that night. Um, so I watched them then and their defense is great. The thing I was, uh, surprised by, and you touched on, on Twitter, Tyler. So Kansas is basically running this like four guard set with as in the middle doing pick and roll. And, uh, Everything was just, like, a wide-open dunk. Some of it is his athleticism. He's lost weight. He looks great. He even hit some kind of – he had post moves. Um, not everything was a dunk, but it seemed like, why don't you just – uh not hedge and like stay under and guard him and make him beat you and worst case if he gets close to the rim you you uh you just foul him um, but I think I agree Kansas is the most complete team in the country at this point doesn't mean anything it's February 23rd um, and Bill self we know what kind of what kind of happens with him um but we'll see what happens. If Azubuki can stay healthy, he's a man child. He does only shoot. I just pulled this up: forty-two percent uh, from the free throw line. But the, their guards: Dotson, Moss, Garrett. Like they're they're a fun team to watch when they had it cooking, like they did yesterday.
1: Definitely, just the defense Baylor was doing. They just kept doing the same thing. It was like you have to make an adjustment, stay behind him, because you know he could. He was bigger than. You know, basically everyone on the court, like maybe he'll get post moves, but you can't just keep letting him just get wide open dunks. I didn't understand that. Um, Jared baller Baylor's Be- leading scorer, he did have 19 points, but they held him 7 of 18 from the field. It just never felt like Baylor could get easy shots. And barring just like a collapse down the stretch, I mean, I think Baylor and Kansas will end up playing each other again in the Big 12 championship in the conference mm-hmm. tourney. I think they're locked into a one seed. They've had a great year. This was their first loss since November, which is crazy. So they're going to be a one, but, you know, they're great on defense, top ten in the country in defense, but offensively, I mean, they're playing Kansas, which obviously is a tough opponent, but they're only 200th, they're 208th in the country in scoring this year. Like, I feel like, their team that can get upset in like the second round if they go up against a team that could just hit a ton of threes or like, lose in the sweet 16. Scott Drew has had his share of history of losing early when they're big favorites, so that w- that makes me a little nervous about Baylor. Like offensively, I never felt like they had an easy play to go to. Maybe that's just cuz they're playing Kansas, but I think come tournament time, they're they're very susceptible to getting upset early. Mhm I agree. I there, it just
2: doesn't it didn't feel like a number 1 team in the country at home. Um just the firepower not not really there from them either time I've watched them. Tyler, did you watch the the late night Pac-12 game between uh
1: Arizona and Oregon uh in overtime? Yeah, I did catch the end of that game in overtime and Arizona, Sean Miller, obviously brothers <laughs> with Archie Miller. It they just can't. feels like, they, it feels like they that can't team. Go, Go ahead. Sorry. I was going say. Arizona, I think like four years in a row, basically my four years in college, I always picked them to go to the Final Four, and they never did. And I actually picked them to win it all the year DeAndre Aiden was there, and they lost in the first round. They're just a team that just always seems to shoot themselves in the foot in these big games, and this was another one. They're up six with three and a half minutes left to go in regulation. They blew that one. Peyton Pritchard had a great game. He had 38 points, Um, but it was a crazy game. And the play at the end where they threw the full court, uh, length of the court pass, guy gets fouled on Arizona, has a chance to tie it, win the game, misses both foul shots. Like, that feels like the summation of Arizona basketball the last, like, five, six years. Yeah, every, it's
2: funny, too, because at the start of every Arizona year, the past, like, three or so, uh, if I'm like, is, is Sean Miller still the coach? Is he in trouble? Because uh, they had the whole FBI investigation under Aiden um, and, like, nothing – Obviously, nothing really came of it, but he's he's him and Bruce Pearl are one A one B for sweatiest coaches in college basketball. <laughs> um, but it, it really must be a Miller thing in terms of uh, the foul shooting because IU we'll get to them a little later. Foul shooting's been uh, an Achilles heel all year, the last few years under uh, Archie. Arizona in this game at home, a huge a huge game versus Oregon. Uh, they went 10 of 21 from the free throw line. They missed free throws at the end of regulation. And like you said, in overtime, that would have won them the game. Uh, just a brutal beat for them. Um, I I didn't bet on this game, but I just flipped it on. And it's always a treat. I don't watch much of. We talk about time zones quite a bit on this podcast, Tyler. The Pacific, the Pac-12, it's tough. It's late. Uh, 10.30 tip. It's like if that's on, if the Lakers are on, I don't know. I'm probably watching that. Um, but Bill Walton is such a treasure. Um, him and Dave Pasch, their banter. Why is it that he's only Pac-12? I know he probably lives out there. Went to UCLA. Share him. Share him with the Big Ten. I would love to have one season with Bill Walton uh, calling IU and going crazy about uh, the fact that we turn the ball over all the time or whatever it may be.
1: But I think the fact that he does Pac-12 just makes it so much better because it's, you know, Pac-12 at night after dark. Those games are late. We're watching Central Time, Eastern Time. It's delusional, like, Like last night was a crazy game. Just having Bill Walton's eccentric personality announced in those games, it just adds to it. Like it's like 1 a.m. games are going to double overtime, and he's just saying crazy stuff. So I do like having him do Pac-12. It just I feel like it adds to the fact that you know Pac-12 doesn't get as much love as maybe they should be. But speaking of other West Coast teams, um, San Diego State, the last remaining unbeaten, they lost at home to UNLV and. I think that might hurt their chances of getting a one seed. The fact Gonzaga lost also um, maybe helps them a little bit. But Gonzaga's been ahead of them; they were ahead of them in the committee's you know rankings of the one seed. So I feel like San Diego State might slip off the one line. But them and Gonzaga both lose. But um, what, what do you think of the Zags this year? I know that that was your team uh, growing up.
2: Yeah, I mean, they don't have Adam Morrison, uh, Jeremy Pargo, uh, Derek Rivio anymore, so not as familiar with the, the squad, um, and truth be told, I haven't watched a whole lot of them, so I can't give a great take on it, but uh, for them to lose to BYU when they're two and they have a chance to overtake the number one overall is very Gonzaga, um, I mean, they're, they'll be there, They'll be in the Sweet 16, and we will be like, eh, okay, we'll see. We'll see actually what ends up happening with Gonzaga. But it does feel like this year, I mean, well, we we spoke to it about Greg when he came on and the futures and and all that. Let me pull it up now, actually. But this tournament, unlike, like, there's always, it feels like a top tier of teams, right, whether it feels like maybe that's Kansas right now. But this tournament, it's, I mean, you could, I'm going to say there's, there's what, as a good chance that we get a one to two, like six and above seeds in
1: the final four. Like it just feels like back kind the of year. It's definitely possible. I mean, I think the top four or five teams in the country are kind of in their, you know, an area of their own. And then after that, I think it could be anyone like Dayton is fifth right now. They're certainly going to jump up with, you know, San Diego State losing, Gonzaga losing, but like are you confident in Dayton being a one seed to run you know run the table they're not they don't have a track record obviously Archie built them up a little bit but they were never that good like having Dayton as a one seed i don't think a ton of people are going to be confident as that cuz when you have a team like that i feel like people always like it when they're a lower seed and they're more of an underdog like if Dayton goes in as a one seed it, it feels like that's just bound for them to lose early yeah
2: i mean they it, the weird thing about all those kind of non-conference teams and, like, the issues Gonzaga has had, like, they they stack the non-conference schedule so they have all these premier games and they get up on that competition, but then they go through a majority of their season, right, just playing their conference. The a 10 is better, I think, than the West Coast Conference, so I think that helps data, and they did go. They did trade blows on, I think it was Thanksgiving Eve when they played Kansas, uh, and that game uh, went to overtime. I So I don't know. I'm, it's It's going to be a weird year just looking at the futures. Kansas plus 650, they're the favorite. Baylor and Duke are both eight to one, and then everyone else is better than ten to one odds, and it's it's going to be absolute chaos. So, I mean, Indiana sitting here at uh, sixty-six to one. Tyler, that does that tickle your fancy
1: at all? When when they're up nineteen today, I, I thought it might be interesting. But let's move over to the Big Ten in general. Um, with two weeks ago in the season, I saw you tweeted this out. The top. I believe top ten teams in the conference are all within four games. And you move Maryland, who is currently in first. Second through tenth are all two games separated by two games. So a lot can change, and we've complained a lot about Indiana. And, you know, in two weeks it could end up maybe being a top five, six seed in the Big Ten. But it's been absolutely crazy. The home teams continue to dominate. Ohio State beat Maryland today in Ohio State. Indiana beat Penn State. It's insane just how and, bad. In
2: Wisconsin, too. They beat uh, mm-hmm. they beat up on Rutgers. Yeah, and
1: the crazy thing is going quickly back to that Kansas-Baylor game, both of those teams are undefeated on the road in conference, so I think that really shows up. They're kind of the cream <laughs> of the crop, even though I said Baylor could lose in the tournament. But for the regular season, the way the Big Ten's gone, it's insane. Home, home teams continued to dominate. Who, are you riding Maryland as the best team, or do you think there's another team that could end up, you know, maybe winning the conference? And I guess, better question, who do you think has the best <laughs> potential to go deep in March Madness? Uh, I have two teams that I like here. But the one, all
2: right, if I have to choose one team, I I really like Michigan. Uh, um, they kind of peaked early in the year in terms of their, I believe they got up to as high as five they still have Xavier Simpson, which is crazy to me. He's still on that team, but they have like a, a good mix uh, between him, um, Livers, when he's back and healthy. Mo, um, Mo Wagner's uh, younger brother can shoot it a bit from three, but they're starting to get hot right now, um, and they've won. Yeah, they've won five in a row here. Um, I I like. I like what I see out of them. Um, I think they play good defense. They shoot the ball well from three. Uh, Juwan Howard seems like like they actually really enjoy playing for him. So that's my that's my top pick, and my backup pick is just going with Izzo and uh, Cassius Winston. I don't think they're that great, but like, in terms of what I saw out of these other teams that are at the top, Maryland, I mean, Jordan Grebo, as we all know, he he hates on Mark Turgeon. Any, any chance he can get. Cowan's a stud, but and Jalen Smith is as well. But I'm not I'm not totally sold there. Penn State Tyler, Lamar Stevens is a is a monster, and that's the thing here with Penn State and Iowa. Their top guys are as good as anyone in the country. Are they that, like, I don't know. This thing is an absolute melting pot. I think you could pick two teams out of the top uh, ten and say, this is your Big Ten uh, championship final, and I'd be like, okay.
1: Yeah, definitely. Indiana, as I said, they're two games back of the team's tied for second, and I think I saw a stat there, three and one in those games, or three and two. So yeah. they played well versus the top team, so anyone can get there. I'm taking a pick to get the furthest. I mean, I guess this is a chalk pick, but I do like Maryland a lot. Anthony Cowan has been there. He has a lot of experience, and he feels like a guy we know because we watch a lot of Big Ten, but nationally, I don't know if he gets as much love as he should. Like, I could see him just becoming a guy who could carry this team in March Madness, and everyone starts knowing his name, and he gets hot, and Jalen Smith is a beast, and he could play inside out. And this team is just really resilient. I think I saw it today that so I was watching their game. They've won five games this year when trailing by ten plus points. They did it versus us in Assembly Hall. They've they've beaten Iowa. They won at Illinois, at Michigan State. Late, great comeback game there. Like they've just been battle tested this year. They they killed Marquette early in the year. They beat Notre Dame. Like they've gone through the ringer and played a lot of good teams. And I know Turgeon has I guess a history of messing up good teams, but I don't know. I think they're really good. And just those two guys together are studs and can carry a team in March Madness in a year where the top is good, but where they're going to be seated, they're probably going to be a two or a three seed. So they're not going to have to play a one seed potentially till the Elite eight. So I think they're definitely capable of going far. I like your Michigan pick. They've had such a wonky year. They started off unranked. They played really well and uh, was it the Battle of Atlantis. And then they moved up to fourth, and then they kind of cooled off. And now they've won five in a row, and they dominated at Purdue yesterday, which is a tough place to play. And as we said, no one in the Big Ten has won on the road. So for them to do that is impressive. So I like that. And Michigan State, I've said it all year, I don't think they're that good. Izzo obviously has, has the respect, and Cassius Winston is great, but – Outside of Winston, they just don't have a second go-to option. And I know uh, Langford is heard, and Hauser were supposed to be on the team, but his waiver didn't clear for the transfer. But relying on Xavier Tillman as your second option, I don't see that getting them that far. So I think that's a team that I'm definitely going to pick to get upset early, depending on the matchup. Did we ever check in on his second child? Well, he's having a second kid, I think.
2: Well, I thought she was like gonna have the second kid the day after the Maryland game. is not that what they were saying?
1: Maybe. I mean, the fact he has a three-year-old is insane, and he just he just turned twenty-one. But let's not get too into that. Let's talk about the IU Penn State (laughs) win. Huge win for Indiana. 68-60. 68-60. to 60. As I said, they're up 19 towards the end of the first half. And then Penn State goes on, I think, a 26-4 to 4 run to end Correct. the first half, start the second half. Indiana's down six, and somehow Indiana only wins, ends up winning the game by eight. Just absolutely topsy-turvy. You tweet out the gif of the roller coaster, and that's how I actually feel watching these games because like, I feel nauseous watching them. I usually feel nauseous going on a roller coaster, so it's a perfect... <laughs> Yeah,
2: it's, uh, I mean, the line, I think it opened at, like, Penn State was uh, favorite by one. It swung to IU minus one. I was just sitting on my couch with Ethan. We are going to watch the game together, and I was like, I, I just think they're going to win. Like, this is a game that they win, and they just trick all of us last week fully out this week. They looked great uh, at Minnesota. Trace dominated in that game. And I was like, okay, I think, I don't know, ranked team at home, Assembly Hall, This game was very weird. Uh, Penn State was without their second-best player. But, I mean, for a majority of the game, Indiana did look really good. Um, The first, say, 75% of the first half. The defense was great. I mean, they held Penn State to 24 points in the first half. Um, And on the game in general, only only 41% from the field for Penn State. The biggest thing, too, like, they actually defended the three well in this game, which feels like the first time I can I can really remember. Archie Miller, uh, Penske was two for fourteen in the game from three. The end again. We tried giving it away early in the second half, but there are a couple things that I want to touch on. One, if the game plan is going to be to give Trace the ball consistently, this team is interesting. Um, we've done it the last two games. Um, Will that continue? I don't know. I hope so because it makes it much more enjoyable and fun when we do that. He didn't play amazing. Uh, he, was th- he had 13 points, 10 rebounds. He was only six for 17 from the field. Like felt like he missed a couple of uh, give around the rim. But he had some big boy moves. Like his move on uh, Lamar Stevens when he like faked left. Um and then spun back to the right and basically got Lamar Stevens to pick up his fourth foul, and he dunked on him. That was an, that was incredible. Um, Another thing I want to talk about, Tyler, race Thompson. He's like a real asset. I think Joey Brunk's days as a starter are numbered until uh, we play Purdue on Thursday.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with the lineup. Brunk only played six minutes today. He got into foul trouble early, but that was good because – you know he he just isn't doing anything he played well like in the middle of the season in the last like 6 7 games he's just kind of become useless so and race thompson's emergence has been huge and theron davis has played well he only had 2 points today but he, Four fouls. <laughs> he but he gives them good minutes he didn't play his best game today, but when he's out there, you feel better than Joey Brunk being out there, who just gets beat every play, and is honestly terrible, Um, so it was a good week for Indiana, they went 2-0, they had to, they've, like we said, they started giving Trace the ball, he wasn't efficient today, but I think that's just the way the offense needs to play, and it'll free up other guys if he starts getting double-teams. Um, but the end of game just you know execution mental like awareness the coaching still remains a question mark at the end of the game i don't know if you picked up on this they're inbounding against the press you know Penn State's going to foul and they have Justin Smith on the court race thompson who can't shoot foul shots, and they probably can't dribble out of a press. Why aren't we bringing in more guards to beat the press, and you feel better about Devontae Green going to the foul line than Ray Thompson, who barely ever shoots them, or Justin Smith? Like Stuff like that continues to be an issue, and it worries me as we move into tournament play, but this, this was a huge game, and they have a huge week coming up. Two road games at Purdue and at Illinois. If they can win one of those games, that would be huge. It feels like... Their spot in the tournament is getting more solidified, but if they want to avoid a playing game and, like, get, like, a decent seed, which is still possible, they have to win one of these road games. So definitely an encouraging weekend, just just better than where we were last week, right? Yeah, we were in a dark
2: place last Sunday. Um, the, the one coaching thing I want to hit on, I, I didn't really understand at the end of the game. Al had a big turnover late on a two-on-one. Uh, he threw the ball away. Finish sees, like, our most calming presence on the court out of all these guards. It felt a little inexcusable that he wasn't out there. Um, but bottom line, we win 2-0 and on the week, 18-9 and overall, 8-8 and in conference, and we're just in this hodgepodge of Big Ten teams that continues to beat up each other. Um, and, yeah, I think you have to go into Purdue and win that game. Um, and then it's... It's it's going to be interesting because if Tyler, I see I see I see a likely path here. Um, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, um, where we we don't show up on the road next week because that's uh, kind of in line with the way things have been. Um, and then we beat Minnesota at home, but then we lose to Wisconsin uh, <laughs> that last game, and then we end up having like that same playing game scenario that we had last year. Um, yeah,
1: that's those are my thoughts there. I I hope it doesn't come down to that, but it's definitely likely. Like in my time since I started going to IU, they've never won at Purdue. I don't think they've ever lost by less than ten points. So it's a place that they play terrible. Um, but if they can't show up for the game on Thursday, my point about Archie, like still kind of wanting him to get fired, I'm not going to relent off that if they don't show up on Thursday because. One, that's a rivalry game. Two, they got embarrassed in Assembly Hall a couple of weeks ago when they had Bob Knight come back, Isaiah Thomas, all those guys who were there before. Like They didn't show up in that game, and Purdue kind of stomped on them. And three, Purdue is kind of like on the ropes right now. They... They're not in. They're not going to make the tournament as of today, but they still have a chance with the games they're going to play. Like, IU could deliver that knockout punch, and this isn't as strong of a Purdue team they've had in the past couple years. If Indiana wants to be taken seriously, like, you go into Mackey Arena on Thursday and, like, throw that knockout punch and beat a team that you haven't beat in, like, four years now. So I hope they're able to show up. They haven't shown it <laughs> all season, but <laughs> maybe, maybe this week has finally, like awoken them, in the fact that, you know, Trace is getting the ball more, Race Thompson has emerged, Jerome Hunter continues to give good minutes, like maybe all these things, and just the continuation of those embarrassing losses uh, leading up to this week has finally, like, hit a boiling point, but we'll see. It,
2: it is amazing to me that, looking at the, the records of these teams right now, we got a Quadrant 1 win for winning at Minnesota. Minnesota's 13-13, and 13. Produced 14-14. and 14. Uh, There's no reason we shouldn't be competitive in that game. Um, I do want to mention also Justin Smith. He was, like, really a train wreck for uh, – he was playing good defense, but around the rim he was turning the ball over a bit. But he did hit – Big th- free throws down the stretch, which was nice to see. He went four for four uh, in the last couple minutes of this game, which was something I did not anticipate. Um, so thank you, Justin, for that, uh, because we were we were really trying to to let this one slip from our grasp. And also, I saw on Twitter, Curtis Jones was getting booed. Like, are, are you serious?
1: Yeah that that makes no sense for. He transferred, um, like basically Queens last year, right? He played a little bit for Archie, but he he transferred pretty early on. He went to Oklahoma State, played there, and then transferred to Penn State. The fact they were booing him was so stupid. Like, how many of those students were actually there when he was playing on the team? Probably not a lot. But as you said at the beginning, Lamar Stevens is a beast. Um, he's probably going to end up being Penn State's all-time leading scorer. He's a he's a monster, but. Outside of him, I don't think this team has a lot. I'm I'm not expecting them to make it out of the first round of the tournament or first weekend out of the tournament. Um, but let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk a little NBA and give out our Grandpa Billy's Bums of the Week. All right, Cody. Now let's move on to the NBA and start with a big win for the Lakers today. They took on the Celtics. They were seven and a half point favorite, so the Celtics ended up covering, but. Lakers get the win outright, 114-112. to 112. Jason Tatum was absolutely unreal in this game. He had 41 points. They did. He only scored, I think, four in the fourth quarter, so they were able to slow him down a little bit. But big win for the Lakers, um, just kind of continuing to keep their space on the one seed with Denver and the Clippers, um, you know, still trying to fight for that. But huge win for them. What were kind of your takeaways from the game?
2: Yeah, I watched I watched pretty much the entire second half of this one. Tatum Tatum was unreal in the third quarter. Um seems like I mean he's really taken it to another level this year without Kyrie there. Um uh, they were without Kemba too um and basically were still able to keep this one interesting on the road in LA. Um and it and the announcer's touched on it. And I agree. It is one of the more exciting NBA games I've watched this year. Like, it did feel like kind of a down-the-stretch run playoff atmosphere in that sense. Um, between Tatum and Jalen Brown, like, those are two, like, true studs. Like, Jalen Brown is guarding LeBron and was not backing down at all. He airballed a three. Late in the game, with about two minutes to go, but then he had a huge, a huge one that basically put them ahead. Um, within it's either within the last minute, half a minute. Um, those guys aren't afraid of the moment. Brett Stevens, I mean the some of the guys the Celtics have out there. I mean. Partially, this to do without Kemba, but, like, Romeo Langford was playing a lot (laughs) down the stretch in the fourth quarter of this one. He played 15 minutes. Uh, Grant Williams, who's on Tennessee, is giving them minutes at the end of the game. And the biggest takeaway for me is this guy, Daniel Theus. He was an absolute beast for them. Uh, He had 16 points. He wasn't backing down from anyone. Kind of got some, like, uh... Oh, my God, what's his name? The center that was on the Heat, all the tats, Birdman. Uh, Give me some Birdman vibes out of him, just flying around, uh, playing good defense, being really active. Um, and, Tyler, I don't know, As
1: what are your thoughts on this Lakers team? They just keep winning, but, like, I feel like they're they're not that good. It's it's definitely a strange team because I think it was Mark Jackson made a good point. Frank Vogel's biggest challenge, I think, is at the end of the games, who should be out there with – LeBron and AD, like Danny Green, didn't really play a ton in the second half and in the fourth quarter. He wasn't out there. Um, They had Kuzma out there, who played well today. He had 16 points. Uh, KCP, who we wanted off the team, I mean, it's a good thing they have him because he was playing defense on Tatum, kind of doing as best as he could, and they mentioned it earlier in the year. He's actually having, or earlier in the game today, he's having a pretty good shooting year. He's shooting 46% from the field, 40 from three, 80 from the foul line, like, This was a guy we wanted off the team multiple times, but he's giving them big minutes like Avery Bradley's out there. So finding that final five who could go out there is going to be a challenge, but I think when you have AD and LeBron, you're you're just going to get offense from them. So if these guys are just ready to hit those open threes that are going to come up, it's all they really need. Um, But we'll see what happens once I get to the playoffs, but... I think the Celtics are the biggest threat to the Bucs. They're currently the three seed. Getting that two seed for Toronto I think is huge because if this if they end up getting the three, one, they're going to have to probably play Indiana in the first round, which wouldn't be an easy first-round matchup compared to playing Brooklyn. And also, if they had to go into Boston with Boston having home court, I don't see them being able to pull that out. So that two, three in the east is going to be huge. And the Celtics are capable of beating the Bucs. All the wings they have to throw at, Giannis and um, Middleton would give them issues. And then obviously Kemba, they're a little undersized. Tice is a good big, but outside of that, they don't have much. But Boston's definitely capable of getting to the finals, and I tweeted this today. One, how was Coach K not on the hot seat for losing the second round when he had Tatum in college? And I don't remember who else was on that Duke team, but they were pretty loaded from what I remember. And two, anyone who is a Kyrie Irving stand. This is a terrible look for you because Tatum and Jalen Brown have just been remarkably better without Kyrie Irving. Even when he was on the Celtics and wouldn't play, they were better, and they obviously went deep in the playoffs. Last year, everyone was miserable. Everyone was bad. Now this year, they're both breaking out, and Tatum made the all-star team. So tough look for Kyrie fans because this team does not miss him at all. No, I don't know that there's that many uh, Kyrie stands out there. But yeah, I
2: mean, he dropped, what, 39 Tatum against the Clippers uh, about 10 days ago. He's been on a tear this year. I mean, his numbers are great, and he's only 21. He's averaging 22.5 points a game, seven boards, three assists. Uh, the shooting percentages are pretty solid, almost 40% from three, 82% from the free throw line. And just his handle, they touched on it too. like His ability, the Lakers, basically the entire second half were just sending double teams at him. And his ability to get to the rim, he missed a couple of uh, shots at the rim in the in the fourth quarter. But just to like get those shots was really impressive for someone his size. Uh, it's not kind of like he's like a, a Chris Paul type point guard, right? He's he's a wing, a true wing, and uh, I don't know. He feels like he's taking it to another level. I, I am at this point, honestly, with the NBA, I'm I'm ready for the playoffs. Um, the 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 day to day, the week to week, I don't know. I'm just like I feel like there's not not that much that's super intriguing at this point. Like I just want to see what happens with the Clippers when we get to the playoffs. I want to see what happens in the East if the Bucks just keep rolling um, or if in the playoffs it is a truly a different game and we see what happens when it slows down a bit. Um, I'm, I'm ready for the playoffs. I know it's not a good thing to get ahead of yourself, but I'm ready for it, Tyler.
1: Yeah, the way the NBA has been the past couple of years, I mean, just look at the Rockets and Harden as an example, just the way they play in the regular season. I mean, they've gotten far in the playoffs, but they've lost in, you know, the most important games, and Harden hasn't played as well, so there's definitely that big, like, difference between regular season and playoffs, but I think the storyline to kind of carry us until the playoffs is Zion. He's been an absolute beast. He's averaging 22 points um, and 7 rebounds. Obviously, he hasn't played, he's only played 11 games, but he's came back from that injury, and he really hasn't missed any beat, and he's, I, for my opinion, he's been better than what I thought he was. I didn't think physically he was going to be able to dominate this quickly in the NBA, but he has been, and they're only four games out of the eight seed. Memphis just lost Jaron Jackson for a couple weeks. The Blazers are without Dame. Like, the Pelicans have the talent to get that eight seed, and if they were to play be the eight and the Lakers play them the first round, I don't think that's a walkover type matchup. Uh, with Zion, Drew Holiday, uh, Ingram's playing great, Lonzo's been playing better. Like, that team is super talented, and if Zion had been playing the whole year. I think they're definitely capable of being around that five, six seed. So there's still a lot of regular season left, and I think that's kind of the storyline that'll keep people interested. Mm-hmm. And then. Once we get to the playoffs, obviously it gears up, but that's kind of like the one thing I'm excited for, you know, moving forward. Yeah, the
2: baby Lakers plus Zion. Uh that would be that would be interesting. Uh Tyler, let's wrap it up here. Your grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I will kick
1: it to you first. So my grand probability's bum of the week, staying in the NBA, moving over to the East. The premier game last night on ABC was Sixers-Bucks, and I was considering betting on the Sixers. I'm glad I didn't. I feel like I just continuously get sucked into them. Um, the talent on the team, Simmons and Bede, you know, all of it. I always feel like I'm – Thing like, oh, you know, they put it together. They can be pretty good. This team stinks. They're mentally, they're so soft. They remind me of um, the Cowboys, just how they're talked about in the NFL with all the talent, all the money that's put into that roster. They get it all together, how great they can be. At some point, they're just not that good. Obviously, Simmons being out, you know, he played early and then was having the back injury, which was very strange because. Uh, The sideline reporter for ESPN, uh, George Sedano, said the Sixers' game plan was for him to go into the locker room during commercial breaks and come out and keep playing. If he was that hurt, why is he playing? And this is a team that all year has said the regular season doesn't matter. If you're the Warriors, You know, last year, who had won three titles in four years, you could say that. If you were the Heat when they had LeBron, when Lakers won with Kobe and Gasol, like, you can say the regular season doesn't matter. When you haven't won anything, when you haven't even got into the conference finals, you can't say that because you haven't proven anything. So the Sixers are my bums. I'm so tired of this team. And Bede was 5 of 18. There was the picture of him at the casino in Milwaukee the night before. Um, Like, if you're going to go do that, you can, but you can't then come out in a huge nationally televised game and just drop a
2: dud like that. Yeah, that's Embiid is my grandpa Billy's bum of the week for being out the night. It's not just like any game here. It's national televised, ABC, Saturday night. The NBA is making these into kind of their marquee matchups. And they they haven't proven anything. So to be out at a casino, again, this is a gambling, gambling-friendly podcast. We're very pro it. Uh, but it just what are you doing? Like, it's just so – you know exactly what you're doing. You know people are going to snap off pictures of you. And if you go, like, you have to play well. Um, so I, it's a ridiculous thing. I saw on uh, Twitter FanDuel is running a promotion uh, basically offering odds on the Sixers at plus 42.5 so, at least they covered that, um but it was but it wasn't like it wasn't that uh far out of the question but um yeah, i this sixers team i'm I'm kind of ready for it to get
1: blown up a little bit here um and and something I, has to something has to change, and I think that's definitely gonna happen this offseason, whether it's in Bede or Simmons and when Embiid was coming out of Kansas, like the way he would run the court in college, he was so athletic. It wasn't like, you know, Greg Oden, when you saw him run, you could tell like physically he was breaking down. When Embiid came out, he wasn't like that. But watching the game last night, he just does not move very well. And it's always like a thing, oh, he's in the best shape of his career, and he never looks like he's in good shape. So if I'm the Sixers, Embiid's incredibly talented. But just the up and down, I don't know if physically he's going to last. And you just... I feel like you have. I feel like I'd rather build around Simmons, who physically can last longer, and you put shooters around him. I think that's the way the game is going, and you can play up and down. So I would move off of Embiid. And the crazy thing about this team is they were the favorite going into the year to win the East. Um, you know, I think their win total going year was like fifty-seven and a half. I took the over fifth, like an I- fifth, fifty-four and a half. I think. Yeah, I took that like an idiot. So that's a loser. Um two of us. Mm-hmm. They're nine and twenty on the road, which is the worst out of any current playoff team. That's the same record the Knicks have on the road. Knicks are actually nine and nineteen, so a little better. Like that's so bad to be just have that disparity and supposed to be one of the best teams in the league, and right now they wouldn't even be. They wouldn't even have home court in the first round. They would have to go to Miami, play the Heat. I don't think they would win that. And they're a game and a half, they're only a game and a half ahead of the Pacers for the sixth seed. So to be that low in the standings for a team that had this much hype coming in, it's embarrassing. I think Brett Brown is most likely going to get fired after this year unless they have some great playoff run. But that team is just so disappointing, and I'm just so tired of, like they won the other night versus the Nets in overtime, and the Nets are – Without Kyrie, and then Embiid makes like the comment that he's like w- could be the best player in the world. It's like then you have to show up yeah. and play well against the Bucks when you're going up against arguably the best player in the world in Giannis. Like you have to, you can't just talk that way and then drop a dud like that. Yeah,
2: he's he's just very immature to say the least. Um, Yeah, so get it together, Joel. Um, But I think, uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up for the Full Slate Sunday Scaries pod. We'll be back next week, so continue to subscribe, rate, and review.